Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Guess who has a new book out? Who? Our back fence friend, Chris Fabry from Chris Fabry Live. Love him. The book is called Saving Grayson. And we invited him to be with us, first of all, because we just love hanging out with him. He's a good friend of ours. But then also because we wanted to put a spotlight on this book, kind of like a big reveal. Yes. And it's a good conversation. Uh, What are we going to talk about here? Hmm. Oh, yeah, our good buddy Chris Fabry from Chris Fabry Live. I didn't forget. I'm just kind of teasing him. He's joining us this morning. Hi, Chris. How you doing? Kurt and Kate, you guys make me smile way too early in the morning. <laughs> okay, so you've got a brand new book out. That's why uh, we've invited you as well. Uh, I thought you just liked me. You just wanted to have me on. <laughs> no, well, you know, why do we have to talk too, about a that book? That too, yeah. <laughs> All right, Chris is way too um, humble to actually say this about himself. So I want to give everybody okay. yes. kind of an outline here. Mm-hmm. Chris, you think I'm going to be telling a joke at this point. I'm not. I'm, I'm actually really serious. Chris is the author of, is it 15 works of fiction now? Did I get that right? Well, it depends on how you count it. Yeah, but at least 50, 80, this is my 84th published book. Wow. That's amazing. Okay, wow. so uh, some of the some of the highlights uh, from his fiction, A Piece of the Moon, which, by the way, we'll get back to that in just a moment, because okay. when you were with us on Coffee with Kurt and Kate, uh, I'm a big nonfiction reader, and I just mm. have not embraced fiction. We had this whole conversation about why fiction is great, and you need you to read my book. Him. and. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get to that in a minute. Spoiler alert. Uh, see, Junebug Dogwood, The Promise of Jesse Woods, The Song. Also, you've uh, written some novels based on screenplays, The Song, War Room, Overcomer, and Life Mark. And Chris has been inducted into the Christie Award Hall of Fame as a wow. five time award recipient for his work in Christian fiction. Yes. That's amazing. That is. It's wonderful. So not only does he do the radio thing, but he also does the writing thing as well. Okay, before we get to the book, um, how did you – have you always wanted to be a writer, an author? When I was a kid, I was – affected by stories so much both the the told stories around the the kitchen table at my uh, my mother my grandmother's house and my my uncles uncle pooch and uncle bill who would tell all these stories and my my fam my other rest of the family but i think uh that that's where it was first planted in me and then i started reading and i'm not a real fast reader i'm a slow reader but when i started reading in middle school junior high school there's something that happened inside that just came alive but i you know i'm a, a product of the public school system in west virginia i didn't know that there these writer things happened you know that <laughs> i thought that you went out on on a book tree and you pulled it off and so when I started and you know, went to college and I saw they would have poets and they'd have authors come through, I was like, really? These people actually do this for a living? How you know, how's that work? And uh, I had a journalism professor who said to me, hey, comma, you can write, exclamation point. And I still remember wow. that validation from him. This was in, in high school. And then he was my advisor in, at, uh, in college. So uh, I, I've had this desire, but I didn't know 
that I could actually do it and was a little scared to do it until I was in my thirties. And I, I tried my hand and, uh, you know, 84 books later, it's, I think, I think there's, there's something here. <laughs> there's something to that. Wow. See, that's 84. great. That's amazing. And you know, how do you fit everything into your life? You are a father, what, of seven kids? Nine. Nine, Nine kids. Yeah. Nine kids. Bigger than my don't family. Le- don't let those last two boys go. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they're bigger than I am. <laughs> but I mean, you're, you're, you're a busy man. And you do that. How do you do that? You you do what you want to do. You yeah. know, you do what you make priority for. Mm-hmm. And when I was, you know, I did a morning show in Chicago for a lot of years, and was doing it when I first started the the writing thing back in the nineties. And it's like, you know, you have to get up that early. Well, you find the time to do what you really want to do. And if you want a good marriage, you got to find the time to do that. If you want to be a good parent, if you want to write, you know, there's a lot of stuff on TV I never watched (laughs) that other people were talking about. It's like, I've never seen that because, you know, there's there's other stuff we're doing. So I think whatever you make it, want to make a priority and you want to accomplish, you can do it because we all have the same amount of time in the day. Yeah. And by the way, I love your wife, too. She's great. Uh, I used to listen to her all the time when she was on Moody years yes. ago. Yeah. yeah, you guys are a nice yeah, team. Can I just you tell are. you that? <laughs> and we still do the, the Gary Chat, you know, building relationships. Yep. Right. Yep. Saturdays uh, here. Still on here. Shameless plug alert. It's Saturdays <laughs> in Moody Radio, Florida. Chris Faber live. Yeah, while we're doing <laughs> middle of the week, and while uh, we're we're throwing out shameless plugs, Chris Faber live Monday through Friday, three p.m. right here. Don't miss it. Uh, Chris, you are my uh, ride home, actually, when I'm leaving here. Mm-hmm. So I listen to you pretty much every day. So I know that. Well, guy. I'll say hi to you today. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Hey, Kurt. I'll, be, I'll be waving at the radio. Which will be, uh, Kurt, slow down. <laughs> slow down. Oh, you know me only too well, don't you? <laughs> That's great. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, A Piece of the Moon real quickly here. Because yeah, sure. I, I did read that book, and you challenged me to read it. The rest of the story, I don't think I've shared this with you. I loved it. And I have not started reading your new book yet, full disclosure, but I am going to read it. And you know what? I really, really like The Peace of the Moon. You're a good writer. Yeah, it's really it's are. really, really good. I mean that sincerely. I worked really hard on making that as fun as I could. And it, and as I was writing it, because I grew up in radio, I was 16, 17 when I started, there are just all these stories and all these people that populated, that, that still populate my memory. And I find them on Facebook, most of them, you know. Um, and so I just kind of tried to mine that uh, that treasure trove of the people and the stories and the music too because a little country and western station so <laughs> that that's uh that book holds a really strong place in my heart so i'm glad you glad you were moved by it yeah. yeah well you know it's probably because it was based on a radio station and because uh, that's kind yeah. of my life that 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 definitely did help for sure yeah yeah, yeah and i think uh talking to people on radio you it kind of does put a thread through all of our lives in a sense you know, what radio means to everybody or what this... There are always things, no matter what you're writing about, that you can reach a lot more people than that specific instance. Right. And I think you and do you, that well. And you don't know who it is. Right. See, that's the great right. thing. You know, as we talk now, we don't know what people are going through, but we have the message that we really believe can change and comfort and give hope and, you know, 
life to be abundant life to people. It's the same thing with writing. And I sometimes, you know, I, I don't know who's going to read this and what situation they're in. But it, so it's the same nerve that I'm trying to do as I get stuff on the page, right? Uh, that I do on the radio. And different things will hit different people differently, but yeah, it's in there. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. Not only there. that, it, it, sometimes somebody will recommend a book, and I'm and they're raving about it, and they love it, love it, love it. Yeah. And then I get the book, and I'm like, I'm just not into it. I'm just not tracking <laughs> with I it. Think, what so do I, think I, I am? I, what, what do you, <laughs> and, I, and I put it on the shelf, and then, like, five years later, I yes. see it up there calling my name. I pull it mm-hmm. down. Well, what about this? And it's the right book at the right moment. Yes. And, right. Uh, you know, God puts yeah. the right books in our hands at just the right time. Yeah. And this new book is the right book. Let me tell you, I'm, I started it, but I didn't finish it because I got it early. And my daughter said, oh, can I read this? Uh-oh. I said, sure. And then it's like, Uh-oh. "What, okay, Kel, you got that? Uh, one more chapter. One more chapter. <laughs> so she she really loved it, too. A lot of people will. And I love your approach to this is so loving. I just, it's very, very good. Very good. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Chris has got a new book out. We're talking about it. The name of the book is Saving Grace, and there is always a story behind the story, of course. Chris, tell us that story. Boy, there's a lot of stories, because I've been working. This is the hardest book I've ever written. It's been three years since I first started the first word, but I was thinking about it a lot. Uh, I have a friend... And this is what this is what's happening now that the the story is getting out there. People will read the advanced copy and they'll say, "Oh, let me tell you about," and then fill in the blank. And that's what this is the nerve that this is touching so far. I have a friend named Jim. Jim used to take me and my sons fishing in Colorado. Jim was the guy who had the little pull-along trailer when we had the mold thing in the house. It was Jim's pull-along trailer that I did the program in in January of 2009 uh, with the crows flying over. So Jim is – I can tell you stories about Jim elk hunting and his wife couldn't find him and she called and and the (laughs) – I won't go into it. (laughs) Oh, that Um, sounds great. You baited – I almost wanted to know what happened. Well, he he was out uh, hunting and he 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 shot an elk, and he once you shoot it, you've got to clean it. You've got to you know you got to dress it out. Yeah. So it was late. It was late, and his wife was really worried about him, and and so the <laughs> the and not the police, but the preservationist whatever comes along, and and they look down and say, "Are you Jim?" And uh, he said, "Yeah, that's me." Did my wife call you? <laughs> oh no, it's kind of embarrassing. So the, the other funny part about that is uh, Andrea is not a hunter. You know, she she doesn't know the terminology, and so she came up to Jim and she said, uh, "So you went elk?" And he said, "Yeah." And he said, "She she said, did you catch one?" <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at her, and he looked at me, and he looked at her, and he said, "Yeah, I caught one." Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, That's a good so story. Jim, uh, we're sitting with Jim. I'm buying a car from Jim because they're downsizing. I guess you know they're get, he's getting rid of his tools. I I don't know what the deal is. And Jim says in the other room to my to Andrea, you know this Alzheimer's thing that they say that I have is. And uh, Jim's wife looks at me, and she said, he hasn't told this to anybody. Hmm. He doesn't talk about this. And so we've gone through – when I heard that, the germ of this story happened because 
Alzheimer's uh, hits, and, and it's some form of dementia. You know, it's not just Alzheimer's, but more than six million people are affected by this, um, have the disease, and then think of the the other people who are around. You know, that person, the the spouse, the children, the grandchildren, um, the parents. You know, sometimes with the early onset. So I wanted to write a story. Focus on the Family came to a couple of authors and me and said, hey, would you write some stories about current of things that are going on that people in their families are struggling with? We've done a lot of nonfiction. We want to do fiction. So Angela Hunt and Tamara Alexander got a hold of a couple of stories. And I said, I really want to write about this because so many people are dealing with this now. But the hard sell is, you know, how do you write – a story about Alzheimer's because you know how it's going to end. Mm-hmm. You know that the end of this story is not going to be real pretty. Yeah. Um, and so I think what I have written, the feedback that I've gotten so far is, yeah, it's hard, but it's really not about Alzheimer's. This is a story about, uh, I got to the end of it and I realized this is a story about receiving the grace of God instead of trying to earn it. Because that's what Grayson does with all his life. He tries to, tries to earn favor. He tries to earn love by loving well, by by succeeding, by you know, uh, by doing. And grace is not receive. Forgiveness is something you receive and you live forgiven. So the 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 thrust of the story is he's a writer. He's a former English professor. He's got some you know racist tendencies in his past, and he really feels like he has to go back and solve a mystery, a murder mystery in the town where he grew up, and he's got to solve it before his he loses the memories. Mm. So that's the ticking clock of the whole thing is he's got to, he's got to do this. And the other, I tell it through his perspective, so he's an unreliable narrator, and you don't know if what he's saying is really reality or if it's really true or not. So as you go through it, you are swimming in this stream that Grayson is in, and then you are seeing all the people who are trying to love him well, who are frustrated and who are, you know, kind of dragged along side of him. So that's the uh, that's the story in a nutshell. I'm not sure how big of a nut that is, but it's it's a nutshell right there. That sounds great. Yes. I mean, it's just the intricacies of the plot here are fascinating. And you know, Christian fiction is redemptive uh, in so many ways. You know all about that. How do you live when you feel like you're losing yourself? That's a big question, isn't it? Yeah. And and how do you how do you, does God forgive the sins you can't remember? You know, that's. That's what we, you know, anybody, you don't have to have a disease in order to ask that question. Is it, the, the, and that's the other, you know, the, the thing about Christianity is I'm a bigger sinner today than I was 10 years ago because God, well, you get closer to him and the light shines on your life and you see, wow, and I thought all my motives were good back here. And, and I yeah. can see things mm. now that I didn't yes. see back then. That is so true. And we can get caught, by the way, uh, just kind of piggybacking off your thought there. We can become very discouraged by that and performance-oriented, and that's a slippery slope for each and every one of us. I think that's a temptation that, that we all have. We have, to, we have to think rightly about God's grace and remember that He is good and He is for us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes mm-hmm. we just don't think about that. 
Yeah, and it's a full-time job because that takes trust. That takes faith that he really is who he said he is and that I'm who he says he is because I don't feel like a, you know, a, a treasured son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's what he said about Jesus. If I'm in Christ, he's saying that to me. Well, I don't feel that way, you know, but that's what that's how he looks at me. So do can I live into that? Can I live into the, if I don't feel forgiven? If this thing keeps coming back up, you know, I keep remembering that thing back there. How do you how do you not be live under the weight of that and the accusation and the condemnation? Well, you trust him that he's really true to what he's said about you and what he's done mm-hmm. in your life and is doing. Yes. You mentioned caregivers as well. And uh, this is this is a very big deal, and uh, it's been called the sandwich generation for many folks. Uh, they are caring for maybe their kids, but then also their uh, parents who are becoming elderly. So they have, you know, they they have it from both sides there. And being a caregiver, Kate, you know this is true because mm-hmm. you have been the caregiver yeah. before. It is not an easy place to be, but. Are there, are there specific nuances involved with caring for somebody who is dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia? Is there something unique to this? I want to hear what Kate says. Oh, Bye-bye. no. Go, go for it. It is. It's mm. just exhausting. Because you, no matter what you do, no matter what you try, um, you know, there's always more. And there's not time for you to recover necessarily. Like the wife in, in um, Lottie. Uh, I'm, mm. I'm thinking how tired she must be, <laughs> yes. you know, and the but she loves him and there's, you know, that's the whole love thing. And so love will drag you places that you don't really have the strength for, I think. Mm. I agree. And the, one of the little nuances that I learned from uh, Dr. Ed Shaw was that what you, you, he calls it a fiblet. Um, that when someone asks you who's dealing with Alzheimer's and they ask you the question again and they ask you the question again, or maybe it's someone who's passed away and they're wondering where they are, where they come back, um, that you don't have to let make them go through the pain of that yeah. over and over yes. and over again. That you can say, oh, you know, they're 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 gone. Uh, they might, probably went to store or something. They'll be back, or just some kind of way that assures that comforts because that they can't hold that thought in their mind. So you figure out a way, a, a thing that will be comforting that allows them uh, the 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 space to go on to live. But that that exhaustion is exactly what Lottie goes through. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you who I patterned these two people after. Grayson is Kevin Costner. I thought of him. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. I think he would play it great yeah. in the movie. And Jennifer Connelly is Lottie. Oh, so as you yes. read this, think of those yep. two people. Can you see that? <laughs> yes. Um, with the lines in his face, but he's got this early onset thing that, and he's, and he's moving away. It's this long goodbye and that is the, I think, the hardest thing. I went to the wedding of my friend Jim. Uh, his daughter got married, and he was able to walk her. He's getting a lot slower now, but he was able to walk her down the aisle. And he really wanted to do this. And others were saying, I don't know about this, but no, no, Jim, Jim wanted to do it. And as he passed us, his daughter, uh, as he kind of was shuffling along, his daughter turned to him and said, Dad, you're doing great. 
And I can only imagine the the struggle that they went through. You know, I'd looked at it from a distance. The struggle that they went through with the wedding and everything that, you know, that Jim is not going to remember then the next week. Because when right. he saw me, he said, I didn't know you were coming to this. It was like, Jim, I've been planning to come <laughs> ever since I heard this. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it didn't say that. Of course, yeah, Jim, I'm here. Um, that's that's what the caregivers are, are walking through today. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh, jumping inside the author's mind is endlessly fascinating for me. So when you decided, to, first of all, I guess a couple of questions, actually. The first one is uh, the name that you chose for Grayson. Where does that come from? And then to piggyback on that is how do you choose names for the mm. characters in your novels? It's uh, sometimes it's it's very pointed and you know it, it has tons of meaning um, for for gray I wanted him to be called gray and that's what he's turning he's kind of kind of gray and fading to gray and you know there is this sense of uh, that he's he's moving away but I just love the name Grayson it just kind of sang to me yeah. and uh, Charlotte is his wife and I I'd, I'd seen several Charlottes I was like that that would be a it sounds like a very caring name for a person so sometimes it's just this internal thing it's like this is who he is i got to s- stick with this um the, i gave a, the name of a character in the book my uncle's name pooch and uh-huh. pooch is the fellow that grayson remembers that he didn't remember a lot of people in his life but he remembers pooch and there's a reason because they have this connection from childhood that he goes back. And so I wanted to honor my uh, uncle Howard. I'm, my middle name is Howard. So I'm named after Pooch. Um, and I'm glad that they used Howard, not <laughs> Christopher Pooch. Um, but, yeah. but I wanted to honor him with that because he is the kind of friend that a man will drive from Arizona all the way back to West Virginia to contact to say, would you help me? Because Gray does not ask people for help. He does everything himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I wrote this thing, I you know I I just kept seeing shades of me in the whole thing and a really hard layers of self in the middle of that. So uh, that that's that's some those are some of the names. We have to let you go. I'm kind of bummed out about that, but the clock is screaming at me right now. <laughs> you know how it goes. Yeah, I do. You oh, guys man. make me want to do morning radio again. Hey, you just have way time. too much fun. Can, can we add you as a part of the cast? That would be oh, fun. That would be great. You'd have to you, get up too know, early, though. Can I speak for listeners? Thank you for doing what you do every day. And the music and the songs and the thought and all the stuff that you do. Thank you for your heart. Thanks for listening to Curtain Cape Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.